Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. I'm Greg Gregory with TeamsRock.com, where we focus the Teamwork Advantage on teamwork, leadership, and culture, or what I call the TLC of business. Today, we're fortunate to have with us a guest that I've known for several years now through the National Speakers Association, Waldo Waldman. Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman, graduate of the United States Naval Academy, as well as now an executive coach, author of New York Times bestseller, Never Fly Solo. Uh, He's known as the wingman. As I said, he graduated from the United States Air Force Academy, a combat um, decorated fighter pilot, an expert in resilience, courage, and helping leaders accelerate performance in changing environments. And in today's environment, we are all having to pivot in some way, shape, or form. Uh, his overall client list includes Marriott, American Express, the Denver Broncos, uh, and Verizon. He's been featured on CNN, Fox News, the Harvard Business Review. Um, and you can always visit yourwingman.com or connect with him on social media. All of his sites are at Waldo Waldman. Waldo, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Great to be here, Greg. I'm excited. You and I have known each other for several years, and I've always been a fan of yours as uh, the understanding of your wingman. And where did the concept of your wingman eventually start to come from? Well, in the Air Force, as a fighter pilot, you know, you can't fly solo, technically. When you go to battle, you always have a wingman or a wingman on your wing because there's so much uh, activity, so many threats to take out. The complex environment is constantly changing. So you provide mutual support for each other. So if you picture this jet, okay, you know, you're strapped into the cockpit by yourself, but you got wingmen uh, next to you, behind you, all over, checking your blind spots out, which we'll call talk about later, the check six concept. But basically, uh, two or four or eight is better than one. And so we fly fly with mutual support, check each other's blind spots, and uh, have eyes on target a lot easier that way. And that definitely comes back to being the the ultimate when you come to teamwork, because you've got to be able to understand, respect, and trust each other in every aspect. Um, And that's really, really critical. Let's jump forward a little bit. We're going to jump forward and backward here. Um, You graduated from the Air Force Academy. You went into combat. You flew missions all, uh, I'm assuming, all over the world. And once you got out of the uh, Air Force, once you uh, stepped down, you went right into speaking and training. And tell us about that transition, because coming out of the military into private sector is a trick um, that not everybody's able to master. Actually, I, I went to business school, got my MBA, and then was in a few sales jobs before I became a speaker. I knew eventually I wanted to get in that space, but I wanted to earn my wings in the business world, you know, cut, cut some... Uh, cut some experience in that niche. So I went and uh, was working in defense technology, virtual simulation uh, for an Israeli defense contractor. We did some joint work with Lockheed Martin and some other big contractors, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I a jet fighter simulator on a laptop. And then I, after 9-11, I went into mergers and acquisition sales, uh, M&A. So I was a commission-only B2B high-level sales uh, manager, uh, 
working high level, high level sales, commission only once again. So I was working with UPS, Panasonic, Tyco, major companies. So I did that for a few years and then I weaned myself into the speaking world. But I'll tell you, when I first got out of the military, I hired a, a coach, uh, a military veteran who was an expert in transitioning veterans. It's very difficult to transition from the from the military to the business world, you, you got to prepare for it just like in combat. So I got this coach, gave me some great advice, revised my resume, uh, learned how to interview, uh, got my contingencies together and, and went for it and was very fortunate to, uh, to get the experience and then uh, clip my wings and go full afterburner into speaking. That's a great terminology, full afterburner, because it gives you the extra energy and the boost. What were some of the challenges that you had as you started getting into an entrepreneurship because you had always been in a business environment? So what was it like? Granted, sales, especially 100% commission, is virtually entrepreneurship. But what were some of the challenges that you experienced along the way? Well, so to run a good speaking business or any type of entrepreneur business, you have to understand the fundamentals of entrepreneurship, contracts, negotiation, finances, uh, creating a corporation, opening, <laughs> excuse me, opening a bank account, branding, marketing, all those things mm -hmm. holistically allow you to build this, this organization and, and sell with confidence and credibility. So, you know, learning that the, the technologies was a challenge. You know, I didn't know how to design a website. I didn't really know classic marketing. So I joined the National Speakers Association. I read a lot of books. I attended seminars and carved my teeth in that niche. And, and, and got a, you know, an, another MBA in real world entrepreneurship, which has really helped me because many business entrepreneurs out there or executives for that matter, have certain strengths and weaknesses, obviously. Yep. For, for speakers or consultants or coaches, you may be really good at delivering your value proposition, but you're terrible in marketing. You may be great at speaking, but you may be terrible at writing. So you need to have a holistic approach towards building a business as an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you will be eaten by the sharks. And I have a lot of battle damage and scars along the way. But uh, I, love, I love the fight. I love the competition and challenge. And it's always about evolving, right, Greg? You've got to evolve. Oh, you've got to evolve and, and pivot, especially, especially in 2020. There's so much pivoting going on uh, as far as the businesses go. And so as you made some pivots, there were some things I understand in your past you were a fighter pilot, and yet you also had a fear of uh, small spaces, a little claustrophobic, and, and I was shocked to learn that you had a fear of heights. Mm -hmm. So tell me about those, and how did you overcome them? So I think if you research any peak performer who's challenged with overcoming their fears, a lot of us are maniacal about pushing ourselves to face them, Right. We, I, I like being put into adverse situations that challenge me to grow, to step out of my comfort zone. So long story short, I was always afraid of heights. Uh, I wasn't claustrophobic until I almost died in the scuba diving accident, I'll share with you. But, uh, you know, at the Air Force Academy, I, I didn't go on Space Mountain at Disney World. I didn't jump off diving boards when I was a kid. Um, my twin brother would make fun of me. So I, when I went to the Academy and... Uh, freshman year, I show up to swim class. And as you know, at the Academy, both at the Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy, in order to graduate, you've got to jump off this 10 meter, 33 feet high diving board, complete water survival training, or you don't graduate. Yep. So I'm panicked, you know, thinking this wasn't in the damn brochure, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I wound up jumping, jumping and facing my fears and, and getting 
I jumped it three or four times that day. I said, I got to go again. I got to go again. I got that kind of mental block out of my system. And it's an analogy for life. A lot of times you've got to step out of your comfort zone and see what's on the other side of that diving board. Uh, face your fears. It's, it's got to be great. Your passion has to be greater than the fear. Your drive for success, your drive and, and inner compelling goal that's getting you out there will, will force you to face it. But if it's not big enough, if it's not, you know, pushing you enough, you're going to, you're going to climb off your diving board and, and abort. But I faced that fear and uh, was an instructor. And then three years into my flying career, I almost died in a scuba diving accident. Uh, 33 feet under the water, 35 feet under the water. So my, my mask separates. I inhale a whole lung full of water, burning, stinging lungs, choking in the mask, freaked out, panic attack to the nth degree. Yep. Like, I got to get out of the water. I, I, I'd never been scuba diving before. I didn't think it would be that challenging. And so almost died. It, it really was very traumatic for me. But three days later, Greg, I'm back in the cockpit flying a training mission cross country, going from uh, Oklahoma down to Louisiana, then up to the Northeast. I'm flying through terrible weather, clouds, thunderstorms, lightning, couldn't see the sun, couldn't see the ground. I start freaking out again. I look at the oxygen thinking that there was something wrong with the oxygen, but I realized there was everything wrong with me. Yep. Upstairs. And, uh, yep. Had the same panic attack that I had three days prior and realized I was claustrophobic. Not a good thing for a fighter pilot to have. And uh, for the next eight years of my 11 year flying career, every time I strapped into the plane, I had to deal with this anxiety and fear of having a panic attack, but I stayed in it, built the resilience, never quit. And so part of my story and, and lessons for folks on overcoming fear is, is, is how to overcome this, this pandemic of sorts, this crisis, which is pushing you to truly think about why you're in your aircraft, how are you pivoting, how are you propelling, facing your fears and, uh, and dealing with your anxieties, because Lord knows today we have enough of them, uh, enough uncertainty and turbulence to last a lifetime. Yeah, and I think the key words that I heard you say very early on in that part was, your passion has to be greater than the fear. Yeah. And that, that, that resonated with me right there with everything, is everything that I've ever done in my life is, you've just got to get through it, and you've got to push yourself beyond it. But that passion, if you don't have the passion, it's just not going to get you there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about it. You've got a couple of great acronyms for fear. And... I think that's part of what you've developed because of the fear that you experienced then. Right. So talk about the, your acronyms and how they help you. And then let's tie that to the regular everyday guy and a regular job on the streets today. So you can imagine being afraid of flying in combat, right? It was enough that the missiles were coming, but now strap me into a single engine, single seat F-16 and naked seven hours at night. Uh, it, it gets pretty intense. So there was a lot of anxiety and fear stepping into that plane, and, and most people could agree. And so I have an acronym for, for fear. Forget everything and run. You're forgetting your training. You're forgetting all the preparation, your mindset, your team, all the things that drive you in that jet, and you turn around and run. Not a good thing, especially when you have wings on your chest. Or the other acronym is Focus, energy, accept responsibility. Focus, energy, accept responsibility. Focus your energy, your passion, your drive, your training on the task at hand. Avoid distractions. Get focused on your team. 
and then accept responsibility for the fact that you have wings on your chest, that you're a sales manager, a parent, uh, clients depending on you, dreams in front of you. And so accepting full responsibility for the fact that you have a job to do, that others need you, that it's no longer about you is the next level of performance. And so for me, Greg, and you're a teamwork expert, one of the things that drove me to stay in that plane, to distract myself from myself, was looking out that wing, looking out that plane and looking at my wingman. The men and women who I was flying with that day who needed me to do the job represented by the flag on my shoulder and the wings on my chest. To stay committed to executing on the training, the millions of dollars of taxpayer money spent on me. Because guess what? If you don't drive yourself to execute when you're really needed and it's only about flying and training, you're, you're not a warrior. You're not fit to lead. You're only tested when the fun stops when the pressure's there, when the missiles are real. And so I had an ego. I was not quitting. Ego helped me. But I also had a responsibility and a focus on serving. And so this helped me get used to the fear, used to the anxiety, used to that pressure situation. And that's really what resilience is. It's refocusing yourself and being able to cope through the pressure because you've been there before. You felt the fear. You've experienced the missile launches. You know that anxiety. And right. you become comfortable being uncomfortable, staying in that zone. And then you distract yourself once again by saying, I've got to be a team player. People need me. I'm jumping off that diving board. I'm flying that mission. And that's a hard question uh, and a hard, hard question to ask and a hard decision to make because you better dig deep and know why you're doing what you're doing if it's yeah. not enough. It's not going to be enough to push you through. There's the key parts is the why. Uh, of course, Simon Sinek has talked a lot about, you know, starting with why and grasping that. Did the ability yeah, but, but of... He's never been in combat, though. This is true. So, so you can talk philosophically about it, folks. But you better understand why the heck you are doing your job. And you just can't think about it on your own. You've got to go deep. You got to sit down with somebody who knows you. You got to tap into what you're fighting for. Why are you willing to go through that claustrophobic mission? Why are you willing to, to put yourself through that? And so it's, it's a not an easy question to ask, especially when you're distracted with the everyday mundane things of life, especially when you're distracted with success. Yes. So if so, you're out there struggling, you got to really tap into, you better tap into why you're willing to step out of your comfort zone because it's not an easy question to ask. Right. Now, let me ask you, when you're talking about the accept responsibility, okay, when we're looking at that, that is absolutely key in any type of business. Does that help draw the team together when you know you're accepting responsibility and your wingmen are accepting responsibility? Does that bring together what I refer to as mutual accountability? 100%. The reason is standards. When you walk into a fighter squadron, there are high standards of performance expected of every man or woman. They say, you've earned these wings. You're mission ready now. Show up on time, how you wear a uniform, the standards on departure, clearances, how you operate in that squadron as a team, how you communicate, how long the briefing and debriefing is. Standards are pushed. Mm -hmm. And we have rank on our shoulders and wing, wings on our chest. We raise a right hand and make a commitment to serve 
the Constitution of the United States. This isn't a game. And so we are very passionate about fulfilling those responsibilities. Now, I want to give an analogy uh, for folks here who are parents, for that matter. Yeah, parents. Are, are you a parent, Greg? No, I never had children. So, but I bet you love somebody very much. Oh, yes. Your wife, right? And yes, I know I your did. wife's gone and you loved her more than anything. And I know, God willing, she's in heaven now with, with, uh, with all the angels. And, I, and I'm, uh, my condolences for your loss. And I'm sure folks know about that. But you would do anything for her. I, I guarantee it. And I've read your Facebook posts and you're an honorable man and there's no better honorable uh, thing than being a wingmate, a partner to a husband or wife. So if, she, if you were afraid of heights, let's say, if, let's say you're afraid of heights and you're looking down a 33 good eye dive board, anybody, even if you're not afraid of heights, that's a big- That's big a big jump. jump. I've done that jump, I know. <laughs> but for those who are afraid of heights, the wing moms or wing dads on this call, if you're, thinking, if you're afraid of heights and you're on that 33 feet high diving board, you're looking down, you're probably not gonna jump if you're afraid of heights, right? You can't say, but you're passionate about jumping. No, but now put your son or daughter, put your wife in that water screaming, yep. Greg, help me, help me. You were jumping in a heartbeat. It could be 50, 100 feet high, right? Yes, absolutely. Suddenly, suddenly passion isn't important as responsibility. And mm -hmm. responsibility equates to true service, true, authentic, doing whatever you can for somebody else because you love them. And love and responsibility and commitment are sisters. They all are banded together. And so sometimes you don't want to change your baby's diaper or pick your kids up from school or honor the commitments that your client uh, uh, you made to that client, you have to, that is part of life and being a true authentic leader, honoring your commitments and going through the crucible of fear and having some battle damage and scars uh, mm -hmm. on your back to prove it. So, so responsibility is really key. And I think too many people are passion focused. I think responsibility trumps passion. You're, you're not going to be passionate about jumping off that damn diving board. There has to be a reason bigger than yourself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and that's, that's where I get to it. You're absolutely right. Um, I know that, and this is something that uh, you can probably way more experience at than I do, but I also know that when an airplane takes off and when an airplane lands, it lands into the wind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, when it's doing that, it kind of seems counterintuitive, but there's the lift and the drag that pulls it and helps lift that plane up. I'm assuming that somehow that lift and drag is part of the stuff that slows people down and maybe sometimes messes with their passion or messes with those decision-making. Am I on the right path there? Yeah, it's a, it's a chapter in my book, Lift Versus Drag. So in order to get this plane airborne, you've got aerodynamic aircraft, right? You've got the, the elevators, ailerons, leading edge flaps, et cetera. And so, and then you have your engine providing the thrust, but your, your lift has to exceed the drag. You've got weight, you've got drag on the plane, bombs, et cetera. And so your, your thrust of that engine and the aerodynamics lift you up. And so in life, there's an analogy between what we do as leaders, as we build teams, as we work on our core, and try to break our own barriers and get in touch with the wingman or wingmam staring back at us when we face our fears every day and deal with uncertainty and obstacles and, and grow ourselves and our team is to minimize the drag on our life and maximize the lift. And drag for many of us 
are the negative relationships that we have, the media dragging us down with our habits, our health, our fitness, the conversations that we have with ourselves, the, the uh, healthcare issues, wh whatever it is, there are things in our life that we can jettison to become more maneuverable. Because guess what? These bonds and everything can be jettisoned. They could be released if you need to maneuver this aircraft. It allows you to be more maneuverable when you diminish some of the drag, the weight mm -hmm. that's dragging you down. So I always tell people, if you want to look at your success and the things that you're doing to lift you up, look at what you're doing during the day. What are you eating? What are you listening to? What's your environment, right? right. Uh, and then reject some of those things that drag you down and then be around positive, inspiring people. Listen to podcasts like this that you're doing, right? Right. Feed your brain with uh, positivity and then be willing, be willing to ask for help and, and, and seek out those who can lift you up in areas where you may have some drag. A lot of folks are just not, motivated to humble themselves and find out the things that they need to do to improve. And right. so being coachable is part of uh, maximizing your lift in your life. That's something that I'm always working on as well. And what I coach people myself. Right. And I've always talked about it and talking, people say, uh, I get often described as a motivational speaker. And while there's motivation there, there's still technique about becoming a better team player and leadership. And I believe motivation is a key, key part of it. And some people say motivation, it's a bunch of foo-foo. I look at it this way, and I learned this from the great Zig Ziglar. You know, motivation is kind of like taking a shower. You know, if you took one today, and I really don't want to know if you did or not, it's because the one yesterday wore off, and motivation will wear off. And our negative self-talk through a day, it can be devastating to us. That's the one thing I heard from you a minute ago was, you know, the, the talk that we do, whether it's something inspirational to us in the morning or whether it's something that we say, oh, I just can't do this anymore. Right. Talk, can you talk to us a little bit about negative self-talk? Yeah, I think a lot of us, especially when you're surrounded by mediocrity or dealing with a pandemic or – a tough entrepreneur environment or uh, a challenging spouse or health issues. Mm -hmm. It's easy when we wake up to just have this, our, our negativity meter is, 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 is pegged, right? It's like, Oh man. And so you got, especially push, today, especially today. I mean, just turn on the news and there you have it. Right. And so you've got to be, you've got to be maniacally disciplined about what you're allowing into your brain and what you're looking at. And I talked about environment, you know, I, I love being out in nature. I love being where my mind is relaxed, that mind muscle needs to relax to becoming, to become more creative, to become more inspirational, come up with new ideas and, and, uh, mm -hmm. that environment. but, but also, uh, many folks who have challenges with their mindset need to have a discipline regimen when they get up, what are they, what are they reading? I read something spiritual and, and, and uh, positive every day, 365 days a year. I've got these little books, spiritual passages, leadership passages. Uh, uh, Ernest Holmes is one of my favorite authors. It's like, it's a Christian leadership philosophy and, and holistic approach. I just love them. I don't know, whatever it is, but are you feeding yourself and giving yourself a vector, a direction of success through that, uh, through the reading, through the green smoothie, perhaps, through your nutrition, through hitting the gym, right? Mm -hmm. Getting your heart and blood pumping. I, I'm a peak performance expert, and peak performance teams have peak performers inside of them. And so you've got to ask yourself, what is your daily ritual? 
And are you on a disciplined path, not just in business, not just in sales protocols or entrepreneurship success, but on the holistic approach of life, on your relationships, on your mindset, and a new phrase that I coined, which is heart set, skill set, mindset, and heart set, your passion. What do you love? What drives you every day? And what the blessing is about this pandemic right now, Greg, is that it's really forcing us to find out what we really love, what drives us, what inspires us, what fills our heart. And that heart set is truly what's going to make a difference for you. And I think a lot of people are, are not just pivoting because of the pandemic and the fear of their job loss, but also they're like, man, I've been selling out. I'm not doing what I love. I need to do something that fills me up with joy and bliss. And maybe that means starting a new job or becoming an entrepreneur or maybe following your bliss and, uh, and quitting something that may be dragging you down from being and that, that you're, what you're saying now is exactly where I was 24 years ago when I made a decision to leave the mortgage industry because it felt like it was dragging me and yeah, moving yeah. into this. And it's just been, I love it. You know, it's just, that's, it's the passion side. But it's the skill set too. You know, I mean, you, you need you, passion without skill is just thrust without vector. You right. know? No, it doesn't they're work. All excited. They're all thrust, no vector. Excited, excited. No, vector is direction and, and velocity. You gotta you gotta push in that direction. That's you gotta I, have it. I mean, I've got a great attitude, but you do not want me being your knee surgeon, that's for sure. Right. So <laughs> great way to put it, Greg. Yeah. So today, how do people find it? Um, I know one of the biggest challenges I've spoken about, and I know it's important to you as well. Right. And I think you refer to it as uh, as Mayday. And of course, everybody knows the distress signal, mayday, mayday, mayday. But how do we ask for help? How do we know it's okay? We've got to be vulnerable to allow that. But it's, it's so hard for people to ask for help. What do you recommend? Well, acknowledging the fact that you're not perfect, right? I mean, many of us wake up, we don't have direction, we're uninspired, we're confused, our kids are going back to school, the phone isn't ringing. Sales are down or maybe sales are up and you're overwhelmed with business, overwhelmed with work. And you're like, now, man, I, I've never been so busy in my life. A lot of folks are like that. Right. Just because COVID-19 is around doesn't necessarily mean people aren't doing well financially. Mm -hmm. And so, so you've got to acknowledge that you may have a few pounds on your belly, so to speak. Right. Acknowledge the A fact little extra drag. Yeah. A little extra drag. Right. And a good wingman or wingman is going to enlighten you to the areas in your life that you may be lacking. And this is where, you know, when I was talking before, uh, you know, when you're strapped into the jet, barely able to move in this tiny cockpit, you could see out front pretty easy and left at nine o'clock or right three o'clock, but guess where the threat's normally coming? Where you can't see it behind yep. you at your six o'clock. But if a wingman can look over their shoulder and see what's coming at you. And so mutual support, which aligns with mutual accountability. Mm -hmm. So important because many times we don't see the big picture, but a wingman who knows us, who loves us, who's going to give us feedback that we may not want to hear, but need to hear. That is the key. That's the key. Yeah. Right. And then mm -hmm. they may call it out to you and then you say, all right, man, I, I need help. Uh, some of us don't realize we need help until somebody acknowledges it for us and enlightens us to it, or we deny it or Ultimately, we're placed in a situation where we're so humbled, so stressed, where we realize we can't get there by, by ourselves. And that's when Mayday, asking for help from somebody uh, and taking off your mask and being vulnerable is so key. And just realizing that 
it takes true courage to do that. And to have confidence, here's a kicker, Greg, most people are uncomfortable asking for help because they are afraid of embarrassing themselves because they haven't nurtured relationships with their wingmen or wing women yep. and nurtured it before you needed it. You're only one phone call away from somebody to give you an insight, a solution to a problem. You're only mm -hmm. one call away from a hug or a bit of motivation that'll inspire you to face your fears and take off. Dr. Stephen Covey referred to that as the emotional bank accounts that we would build with mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's so, so critical. Um, you got to invest that time. You got to do it now. Don't wait for the rivers to flood, as, as Elizabeth Cole said, before asking for help. Do right. it now. And the best way to do it is just be that resource for people. Mm -hmm. Give your wings away. Come up with solutions. Uh, don't, it's not just about the revenue. It's about the relationship and put that, pay that forward and you'll, you'll start building up a whole right. awesome wingman that will help you. Yeah, John Kennedy used to always say the best time to replace the roof is when the sun is shining. You know, that, that's, that's the approach we've got to take. And we've got to understand how to build those relationships because otherwise, if we don't build the relationship, we have to ask for help or something can trigger us. It's going to trip the amygdala part in our brain, which is the fight or flight, which now we start to do your first acronym of fear, forget everything and run. Right. And right. That, that can be a big disaster for us uh, if we don't do it the right way. I know in your book, Never Fly Solo, there's, there's a whole lot of good value in there. If you had to pick one section out of there that would probably be applicable in today's environment that we're dealing with this COVID-19 and the pandemic and would just be broad brush, what would that best thing be for everybody? So I'll share a story with you. Uh, one, uh, one of my favorite commanders, Pat White, uh, he was in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I, I flew there for a couple of years. And long story short, I slept through a mission briefing, right? I was supposed to be at the squadron at 8 o'clock or so. Looked at the alarm. It's 8.15. I'm late. I'm panicking. The alarm went off, but I just slept in. It, it, was just, it happens, right? Yep. So I realized I was going to be grounded that day. If you're grounded, if you, don't, if you don't make the briefing, you're grounded. And if it happens more than a few times, by the way, and you're consistently late, you're not accommodating the standards, you lose lose these wings. Like I said before, you got to earn them every day. That's why they're on Velcro. So I walk into the squadron feeling deflated, watching my buddies fly their jets. I walk out and fly their jets. And then the last person out of that room was my commander, Pat White. Now this was no ordinary commander, folks. He was a really, really intense guy, state wrestling champion, combat decorated fighter pilot and his call sign of all things was psycho okay i kid you not and he came up to me and i'm expecting him to chew me out for being late and he said hey waldo is everything okay at home do you need a day off talk to me you're never late what's going on i was shocked i said psycho i'm fine just leave me alone i'll be on my way He's like, I'll just let me know if I can help you, Waldo. Didn't, didn't reprimand me. Yep. Didn't, didn't go off on me. Realized that I might have had a life outside of work, outside of flying, that may have taken precedence over that day. And so how many folks do we know, especially right now, who are showing up at our squadrons late? Maybe they're having an engine failure, a flame out, their gear aren't down and locked, their kids are on drugs, they're, you know, going through a divorce, their business is down, their grandparents are dealing in the hospital with COVID-19. We have to acknowledge the humanity and heart in each one of us more than ever. 
to get our vector, our mindset corrected, to tap into who we are and to be the visionary for us and help us achieve our goals. And so Psycho showed me that he cared really ultimately and, and realized that uh, he was there for me and that I was appreciated as a human being. And I worked harder for Psycho. I became a better instructor. I wasn't late. I did whatever I could because of that, that sense of leadership and compassion and empathy he showed me. You didn't want to let him down. I wouldn't want to let him down. And, you know, by doing that and showing me he cared, I, I, like I said, I worked hard, I became better. And so by, by going out of your way and connecting a little bit more authentically with your teammates, maybe with that unsuspected person who's in the hangar of doubt and fear, paralyzed, Mm -hmm. stick your wing in there, lift them up. Leaders lift. We don't drag leaders lift. And so we need to be lifters more than ever and provide that encouragement for our kids, our customers, and maybe our friends who uh, we may need to just check in on and lift up, even though they may be acting like things aren't bothering them. There's always something that we could do to, to encourage, yeah. encourage each other. Yeah. There's always that part where some people like to push that part down. And that when you push it down, it becomes drag. And if you open up and let somebody come in and lift you, then it becomes your lift for everything. Yeah. And it gives them a gift as well, doesn't it, Greg? It gives oh. them an opportunity to help you. And Absolutely. Fill their, their bucket. Oh, uh, I can't say how much, how important that part really is. When my wife passed away, the number of people that came into my life to help lift me and keep me um, was just astronomical. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that goes without saying, whether it's in person life or business life, we all need our lifts. And uh, that's a great analogy, the way you brought it to life there. And I, I really appreciate that. And it helps that you're a good guy too, Greg. You build relationships and you're kind to people. And uh, yeah. People are naturally attracted to help folks who are kind and, and, and giving like you are. Oh, I appreciate that. It's been great. I know you've got a lot on your calendar and on your plate going on. Uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, they can always visit you at your website, which is yourwingman.com, or you can always look up anywhere on the social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it's at Waldo Waldman. Be able to find him, get inspirational ideas, get thoughts. Be sure to pick up his book, Never Fly Solo. I'm sure it's available on Amazon and lots of other places where you get your books. Um, Waldo, thanks for being a guest here on the Teamwork Advantage. It's all about teamwork, leadership, and customer service. Uh, Do you have anything that you would like to add before we close things out today? No, it's been an honor. Great interview. And if folks want to get like a a mission ready series, I have a five video uh, series on 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 mindset, accountability, and, and, and building wingman relationships. Mm-hmm. If you go to yourwingman.com forward slash mission ready, yourwingman.com forward slash mission ready, you can sign up for a five video series uh, for free and, and get some, some ideas to share with your team on accountability, courage, and teamwork. And uh, Waldo Waldman, Google me, check me out on LinkedIn and keep pushing up the throttle. Uh, it's been a pleasure flying with you, Greg. Everybody, uh, check six and uh, never fly solo. Appreciate it, sir. And always remember, never have a good day. Because when you have a good day, you're only having an average day. Be sure to make sure you have an amazing day every day. Thanks for joining us on the Teamwork Advantage. Join us again next week when we bring somebody new in to talk to you about teamwork, leadership, and culture. Take care. Bye-bye. 
This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.